Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 799 of the Juicebox Podcast. On today's episode of the Juicebox Podcast, we'll be speaking with Michael. Michael's in his early 60s. He's a teacher, a musician, and he has type 2 diabetes. That's right. Today is another in the type 2 story series. As I try to have as many conversations as I can with people living with type 2 diabetes so that we can understand it more fully. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you have type 1 diabetes or are the caregiver of someone with type 1 and are a U.S. resident, I'm asking if you'll please go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox and fill out the survey. t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. Join the registry, complete the survey. Whole thing should take you fewer than 10 minutes. You're going to be helping people with type 1 diabetes, moving type 1 diabetes research forward, and you might even be helping yourself. t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. Today's podcast is also sponsored by the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. Get yourself accurate results with this easy to carry, easy to use, and beautifully made blood glucose meter. Contournext.com forward slash juicebox. Check out the Contour Next One. There are links in the show notes of your podcast player and links at juiceboxpodcast.com to Gvoke, Contour Next One, and all of the sponsors. When you click on the links, you're supporting the podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Michael. I'm a type 2 diabetic since 2006, and I live in Oklahoma. 2006. That's a good long time. That's excellent. Not excellent for you. It's excellent for the conversation. Um, why do you have uh, such a nice microphone, Michael? Oh, well, I'm a musician. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, and a music teacher. And during the pandemic, I did quite a bit of teaching from home. Mm -hmm. So I, I put together really good gear. I actually had a better camera than this, but I know we didn't need a camera, so I didn't set all that up. Yeah. But I had to have good sound to effectively teach. How's my level? You're listen, besides Jenny, you're going to sound the best anybody's ever sounded on this podcast. So it's <laughs> terrific. I understand. Yeah. I just sent Jenny a new microphone. Um, oh, good idea. And you can really, she had a good one. Well, yeah. And then I got her a better one. And then one day I was like, what am I doing? And I just sent her a really good mic and she sounds terrific now. So um, people always ask me if I'm a, 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 a podcaster. Because when I do Zoom meetings, I've got all this good gear. Yeah. I actually have a, a second computer that you can't see. So when I do business stuff, I'm not sitting in front of this microphone talking to people because... That's a good idea. It, actually. it became yeah. obvious to me that people were just the whole time like, what is he? What's that thing yeah. in his, why is he wearing <laughs> headphones? You know? Um, <laughs> anyway. So, I, you know, I guess I'd like to really... You know, I'm doing my best. It's funny, you corresponded with me the other day, and you were almost like, do you really still want to do this? Because you haven't mm -hmm. had many type twos on, but it is not for a lack of trying. Gotcha. Um, and as a matter of fact, 
I had a, an interesting conversation. I don't think I should say with the company, which company it was, but I had an interesting conversation the other day with my liaison at one of the companies. And I said, you guys are going to get more into type two in the next couple of years, right? And they's like, yeah, we, we want to. And I said, well, I want to as well. I'm trying to have more type twos on the podcast. It's very difficult to get them to, to talk about it. Um, huh. And I think, and I feel like I understand why, but it, it wasn't an impediment for you. So my first question is, did you have any, any thoughts of like, oh, I don't want to do this? Or do you not mind people knowing? Uh, I had none of those thoughts. Uh, I actually like talking to people about it, particularly people in the same kind of situation that I was in. Mm -hmm. So no, I have no reservations whatsoever. I appreciate you know, that. I, I, and I think listening to the podcast is one of the reasons why you have so many people on in there. You know, they're they're also forthcoming for the most part. Um, and I, I thought, well, I've got a story and I've got things that I can share that uh, are not only similar but different. Yeah. I think there will be some unique things about my story that uh, you may not have heard before. Okay. Well, I'm thrilled about this. I really am. I, I want so much for people with type 2 to be able to understand their situation better. I feel like I speak to a lot of people with type 2 who just – this thing is happening to them and they're on a ride and wherever it leads them is where it's going to lead them. And I, I don't think that needs mm -hmm. to be the case for them. So I guess, Agreed. tell me how old were you when you were diagnosed? Let's see, 2006. Um, <laughs> I'm terrible. With how old are you? Well, listen, how old are you now? I'm 63. 63. Yeah. So you do the math for me. Let's see. 2006 to 16 is 10. And then four more gets you to 20, and then two more gets you to 22, so that's 16. Now we take six minus three, so it's four, carry a one, <laughs> hold on a second, five, six, seven, and then that's now a five. You were 47. Okay. There we go. I was, I was pre-diabetic for many years. My mother was diabetic her entire adult life. My mm -hmm. sister is very severely diabetic, so I knew it was coming, and I still didn't do anything about it. Knew it was coming, like you saw symptoms and, and similarities, or just you thought, this has to happen to me, it's happening to everybody else? A little of both, but I, you know, I had doctors telling me, you know, I've always been overweight, and the doctors knew my history, and it's like, you know, you're pre-diabetic, and you need to change your ways, or it's going to happen to you. Was there anything about their warning that led you to change preemptively, or no? Not a thing. No. I, I, you know, I have a, had a very busy life and career, and I just basically ignored it for a long time until I couldn't ignore it anymore. What happened that made it impossible to ignore? Uh, well, I did doctor a lot. You know, I have a couple of other things that are, um, you know, major health issues. You know, and they check your blood sugar, and they just kept saying you know, you're there. And I didn't really feel symptoms like excessive thirst and, you know, excessive urination for a few years after that. Um, they immediately put me on metformin and glimepiride and a couple other things, you know, so I took pills for a long time. And metformin uh, for me has been toxic, which is part of my story. Uh, you know, I just pretty much took the pills and ate what I wanted to hardly ever exercised. I worked a ton, 
raised a family, all that. Mm-hmm. It's just basically something that I had to take pills for. And, you know, we all know now, I, I, I was so uneducated, it was ridiculous. We all know now that, you know, that's, that's going to catch up to you. And it, did, it, it clearly did catch up to me. I have a question, two, two yeah. questions, actually. When they're telling you you're there, do they give you context to that, an A1C or? Yeah. Okay. Do you know what it was? I don't remember. Um, I, I, no, I can't remember. I, I do know the highest my A1C has gotten through all of this was 8.9, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, isn't ridiculous. My, my sister sometimes is, you know, in the teens. Really? Yeah. Yeah. She's, As a type two. Yes. Is she, oh gosh, these are, I'm not as practiced as these conversations, but do you have to eat yourself to an A1C like that? Or is it a severity level inside of your body? It doesn't matter what happens. Just some people have higher A1Cs. Yeah, I think, you know, it's a little of both with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she She's, you know, really taking care of herself now, but still struggling. Sometimes her A1C is great. Other times it's really high. She sometimes has blood sugar levels in the 500s. You know, and she has infections in her feet that have gotten really bad. Wow. So, uh, you know, she's been hospitalized several times for these infections and almost lost one of her feet. Oh, gosh. And she's not, you know, she's so scared to death of it now. She's, it's not a matter of her food intake. Okay. There's something else going on with her and her, her diabetes is much more severe than mine is. Her body's just, yeah. And I, I, I want to be clear about when I said food intake, I didn't mean like, it's weird. I didn't mean just like massive overeating. I just meant, I meant carbs that your body can't cover. Like you put right. in more carbs than your system can handle. Yeah. Um, and, and, but that's something else. Okay. So, so back to you, you're there, but you still wait a little bit, but then once they, I'm going to guess they push the pills on you, right? At some point, does oh, somebody yeah. try to scare you in a doctor's office or do you get one of those conversations? No, no. Um, I have great doctors, you okay. know, and they, they're not scaring me. They, they're just saying, you know, um, we need to treat this and this is how we treat it. Bam. Okay. And I'm doing it. Right. And then, you know, I graduated to injectables and um, I did that for a long, long time until actually a year ago when I went MDI. Okay. So you started with metformin. Yeah. But did it leave you with a feeling of like, oh, I'm taking the pill now, so I don't have to change anything? Exactly. Okay. Bingo. You know, it was just a kind of a a thing I did every day, and I ignored it. I I hardly ever checked my levels. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I did that for, you know, 10, well, longer than 10 years. 10 years. 10 years, you're taking the metformin, eating what you want. Yes. Not really checking your blood sugar. When you say not really checking your blood sugar daily, weekly, how do you do it? Oh, just every once in a while. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes I'd go months without checking it. You know, my brain was like, you're taking the pills. It's okay. They check your A1C in the doctor's office and, you know, it would get up to seven something. I wrote wrote it seven, two, seven, three for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. So then it started creeping up a little bit and I, I got an endocrinologist and he got me down to like 6.5 okay. with other medications. That's when I went on uh, Trulicity and some other things. Before we but talk. I was st- still on um, 
Metformin. Metformin. Before we talk about that, let me ask one last kind of backward looking question. Sure. With 16 years of hindsight, taking the pills, I'm okay, I'm taking the pills. Did you believe that? Or did you talk yourself into believing it? Or is that what you, do you know what I'm saying? Like, or was it just a, a convenient way to ignore what was happening? Yeah, that it was more that, um, you know, I was, like I said, working a lot and I had, a I have other health issues that were bothering me too. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of hit just head in the sand, Yeah, you know, about my health in general. It wasn't a priority. Let are me you, put it that way. Are you comfortable sharing your other health issues or are they not? Pertinent? Sure. Yeah. No, I have psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis, which is an autoimmune thing. Mm-hmm. And I take some pretty heavy medication for that. Um, you know, and some other things, but those are the biggies. Those are the two biggies in my life. Okay. Um, so the idea there is it's cascading, right? You pick the, what yeah. seems like the worst thing at the moment and you focus on that. You go to doctor's appointments, use up your thought process, your cycles on that. And then there's nothing left for the rest of it afterwards. Is that about right? Yes. I think that's a really great way to characterize it. Yeah. I've noticed that in even my own life with myself or hand, you know, helping my kids, there's just not enough hours in the day. There's not enough energy. There's not enough time. You still have to work yep. and you start, it's, I don't know. It's like the house is burning down. Just put the water where the biggest fire is, is how it feels sometimes. You yeah. Know? It's procrastination and taking yeah. the easiest path for the moment. Cause you've got everything hitting you, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that's pretty much the way I live my life. Part um, of, for, I'm sorry. Yeah, part of what I noticed with Arden is that even after you, you stop everything and you think, okay, I'm going to focus on this problem. And you find what looks like a direction and you decide, I'm going to handle this. And then you go to the doctor and you leave the doctor and there, it doesn't feel like anything happened. And you go, right. well, this whole thing was just a waste of time. We're not, we're not getting anywhere. You know, yeah. the truth is though, it's persistence. Like you just right. have to keep hammering away and you have to have the the mind to collate everything or to make mm-hmm. lists and draw lines and make yourself see see the connections, you know, um, because I do think as great as some doctors are, it is still on you a little bit to connect the dots <laughs> you know, a lot, maybe. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt about that. Yes. You know, and if you put it off, it's going to be harder and harder. It's just like any habit that you need to form. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you don't face it, I tell my students, face your weaknesses with sword in hand. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a dramatic statement for saying, don't put off, hand, you know, fixing these issues that you have. Right. And I did that for, you know, 16 years. Right. Finally, finally a year ago from now, uh, I got another... Uh, endocrinologist, the old one uh, left the country. So uh, I kind of just was going with my GP who was keeping my medications up and, you know, trying a few things here and there. But uh, finally, I, I, I was having a lot of problems with my professional life related to uh, the side effects. And that's what, in, you know, that's what gave me the wherewithal to really go after it. Meaning you know, I, the side effects like gastric issues and trying to do your job at the same time or, or what? That's one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was thirsty constantly. I had to 
pee all the time. It was really an inconvenience. But the thing that really put me over the top is um, I'm a trumpet player, a professional trumpet player. That's how I make my living. I teach trumpet at the university level, and I play in uh, orchestras and all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, you know, here I am, 60 years old, and my endurance on the instrument, which is a factor, you know, you have to have great endurance to be a working trumpet player. It just... It just went in the crapper. I couldn't, I, I, I would play great for 10 or 15 minutes and then crash. Everything would crash. Yeah. And this went on for a long time. And, and I was thinking, I'm going to have to quit, you know, which of course I can't do yet. And I started researching why this would be. I talked to a lot of people and uh, I started checking on the side effects of metformin. And I didn't really find anything at first. And then I discovered a, an academic paper on uh, metformin and lactic acid buildup. Oh. And I discovered that metformin causes you to hold on to lactic acid longer, in some people, longer than normal. And, you know, the muscles here, or the muscle in my face, mm-hmm. you know, next to my lips, would be the muscles that would break down. And I thought, gosh, I wonder if it's a metformin doing this, because nothing else made sense. So I went to my endocrinologist, and I said, first thing, I have to get off metformin. I told her why. She was all for it. Uh, Up to this point, I should say that uh, I had a misconception about insulin. Uh, In my mind, somehow, I don't know how, going on insulin, to me, was just the beginning of the end. I thought it that I should be delaying going on insulin as long as possible. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know. Uh, I don't know where I got that thought, but I thought that insulin was like the last resort, which of course is, you know, a terrible way to think. So, you know, I was doing all these other drugs, Imbocana, uh, you know, metformin and Trulicity. So, um, I, I just, I found a Facebook group. It was a, you know, I, maybe the Dexcom group or the Omnipod group. And then I found your group. Mm-hmm. And she got me off Metformin and on, on MDI. And she did it right away. And within three or four days, my endurance started to come back. I mean, it didn't take long at all. Yeah. But suddenly, these issues that I have not been able to get through a concert or even a practice session were gone. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't gradual at all. It's just almost instant. So she got me on MDI and I read, um, think like a pancreas mm-hmm. and I started listening to your podcast. I listened to all the, uh, the basic ones and, you know, not to be too sappy about this, but I think that saved my life. Mm-hmm. That saved my career without question that saved my career because it taught me that, using insulin in the right way was a very healthy way to deal with your uh, diabetes. I also changed my diet, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't just, you know, go on insulin and say it's good. Well, you know, were you able to start exercising? Uh, I still haven't really done that. Okay. You know, I still have all those jobs. Mm-hmm. My kids are growing and out of the house. But, uh, yeah, the psoriatic arthritis is a, is a factor there. I have also really 
big time back issues. Okay. So I can't really walk very far. I don't have the ability to swim anywhere or do anything like that regularly. So, you know, I have terrible discipline when it comes to exercising. Okay. So unfortunately, I have not been able to throw that into the pot. Maybe I don't know, maybe when I retire, but I, I won't make any promises there. You know, I find myself right now recovering from COVID, which turned into bronchitis. And uh-huh. um, so I'm currently on a on a, uh, a steroid pack. Yes. It's, I find myself twice this year on a steroid pack. The first time was in the summer when I got bit by something and had like this very bizarre um, allergic reaction. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the, the point is, is that I've now used a steroid pack twice in like a six or eight month, eight month span. Yeah. And as soon as I start taking it, I start losing weight. My back stops hurting. My digestion mm-hmm. gets easier. And I was yeah. standing in the shower today getting ready to talk to you. And I thought, I'm going to call a rheumatologist and I'm going to set an appointment and just tell them that story and see what yeah. happens. Because I'm there's it's clear that some sort of inflammation is slowing me down. Yes. I mean, on a normal day, I couldn't sit here and twist in this chair like this. My back would be stiff and it would hurt and, I mean, painful. And if I overstretched it, it would hurt for days after that. Yeah. And um, steroid pills, three days, and I'm okay. Prednisone is a magical drug. You got to find out why it's working like that, though. They thought it was going to cure everything, and then they discovered the long-term side effects. Right. I, I had COVID for eight weeks. I had long COVID. I'm just now getting my taste back. Um the first time I had it, it was like a cold for two days, but the second one really killed me. Yeah. And I had terrible fatigue every day for two months. Fortunately, I'm on sabbatical, mm-hmm. so I was able to handle it schedule-wise. Um, but I, I had some dose packs in there, too. Yeah. Because I had terrible yeah. lung issues. You know, I had uh, six, seven days in the middle where my fevers just went... I was just hot and cold, hot and cold constantly. Yeah. Couldn't sleep, but I was incredibly tired. I'd sat, I'd sit up till five yes. in the morning, just like awake, like I was, like I was yeah. on something, you know. Then I'd fall asleep at six, wake up at nine. There are five or six episodes of this podcast where I don't know how I did them, and I'm never <laughs> going to tell you which ones are which. But yeah. I, I would get done sometimes and be like, "Well, that was it for me today." Like focusing and and, and having a conversation for an hour that I was done. And you didn't have any choice. It was like, okay, I have to lie down now no matter what's on your schedule. And that happened to me. Yeah, wrecked me. How were your blood sugars during the illness? Well, they were kind of up and down because of the steroids. Mm -hmm. You know, I I was trying to compensate for them, but didn't have a lot of experience with that. Plus, I'm getting steroid injections into my back at the same time. And so I think I handled it okay. But, uh, you know, my A1C went up a little bit during that time, you know, two points, mm-hmm. uh, not well, two tenths of a point, I should say. Uh, so I think I, I weathered it pretty well, actually. Great. So you said you went from metformin to injectables. And I want to mm-hmm. clarify that for people who might not understand because they might have thought you went right to insulin, but you didn't. You went to some of those medications. You said Trulicity. Were there other things in there? Oh, I, be, I was on Trilicity and other pills for a long time. I'm, I'm t- a year ago is when I went MDI. Okay. Uh, but Trilicity I, I, or something like it, I've, you know, I tried Ozempic for a little while. Um, and I was doing Invokana, Metformin, Glomipuride, 
maybe one other in there. And, you know, in November of last year is when I went to her and said, uh, I want to get off that okay. so that I, I can save my career. Yeah. Um, did any of those medications impact your weight? Yes, actually. Um, Trulicity helped me keep my weight down. For me, that's still really high, but mm. I was very consistent while I was on tr Trulicity. And since I dropped Trulicity and went on insulin, I've gained 30 pounds. Okay. Which is, is the issue I need to address now. Uh, I didn't know at the time that insulin uh, can cause you to gain weight and that it's very common to gain weight on insulin. Everything else got so much better. I was just giddy. You know, mm. my playing came back to normal and felt like you could eat again the way you wanted to and all that stuff. Uh, Not really. I didn't, I actually changed and, you know, went low carb. Okay. Uh, and that was a discovery period. You know, I discovered that I have to eat some carbs. Mm. I can't go no carb. They make you um, crazy after a while. Oh gosh. <laughs> it, it, it's amazing what that does to you. So long time ago before people talked about it like this, I read a book um, and the doctor was like, you know, if you go low carb, it was just the diet, kind of like a diet fad. I forget what it was. Um, and my wife and I did it when we were really young. I mean, we were like in our 20s. Mm -hmm. And I lost a, like a bunch of weight. She did too. And um, But there was this day we sat down at dinner and I was like, I can't eat another fucking chicken wing. Like I'm going <laughs> to. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't, I can't, I can't, you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, I just can't like, and the grease that would go, not even like, not like we were cooking pounds of hamburger and drinking it or anything, but like right. just something with like grease in it. Like every day you were like, I can't, I just can't do this anymore. But, um, I can't believe I can't think of what that diet fad was called back then. Atkins. Atkins. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Like every once in a while, you're just like, can I have a piece of bread, please? Like, I just want to. I want the texture in my mouth to change, you know? Well, that's, that's one point. But for me, it was, you know, I would eat to get through to my next meal without shakes or uh, weakness. Oh, okay. And it, if I didn't have any carbs at all, uh, I couldn't do that. I, I would be really out of sorts mentally and physically. We're, so I, I finally discovered I had to have a little bit. Do you think some of those injectables were lowering your blood sugar too far without the carbs? No, my, no. I wasn't having lows. Okay. Just it, it, it feels the same, mm -hmm. but for, for some reason, uh, I need that in my diet. It's interesting. Okay. Um, but I, you know, I cut way back on them. You know, I used to, you know, not be concerned myself with any carbs at all. Mm -hmm. And so I became more aware of how damaging that is, but I, I, I really am careful to not overdo it. Okay. I do, I do want to highlight one thing you said and talk about it for another second. You said, um, I didn't realize that the insulin would cause me to gain weight. I always think it's important to tell people that insulin doesn't make you gain weight. Insulin helps you store the calories right. that you eat. And it's just important yes. for them to have that context. So if you're taking in a surplus of calories, your body's going to yeah. store it as fat. And the insulin yes. helps the storage process. You may not be gaining weight while your blood sugars are super high, but you're just you're killing yourself in a different way, and your body's not able to store some of those calories the same way. So you can, like, you know, when you hear people's diagnosis stories uh, with type one, and a lot of them will say, "I was eating everything I wanted and losing weight," 
And I thought, I finally did it. You know what I mean? I finally figured mm-hmm. out the code. It doesn't work that way. But right. then people get it into their heads. Well, I can't take insulin because insulin will make me gain weight. And so I'm here to tell you, insulin doesn't make you gain weight. Insulin stores the food that you take in, those calories. That decision right. is where that comes from. So. Well, I knew that. Yeah. And, you know, my A1C has gone up a little bit and my weight has gone up a lot. And, you know, I, I think... I don't have as much, I I figured out how to eat less carbs, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm a lot hungrier. And I think not being on Trilicity is part of that. I might go back on it. I saw my endocrinologist yesterday and she wants me to put put me on a new drug, the name I'm blanking on right now. It's brand new. It's only been out a couple of months. Uh, It's used for uh, diabetics and also you know, weight control. You know, there's a lot of uh, consternation right now in the media because one, I forget one of the drugs that's a type two injectable that also helps with weight. I, I must have got popular amongst um, influencers online. Yeah. And now there's a shortage of it, and there's a section of people who are very upset, like you know they're using up diabetes right. drugs and everything. And but what people might not know is companies are marketing those drugs that way. And then yes. they developed them. They were them, developing them for type 2. And along the way, they realized this is an effective weight loss thing, too. They're not trying to hide that. It isn't people. It's, no. not, it's not like people going like, ooh, look what I figured out. It, I mean, it's on the company. They they marketed yes. it for two different things. If they're running out of it, they need to make more of it. Not, right. You know what I mean? Like, you can't blame the guy on TikTok who figured out he could lose 100 pounds on Trulicity or Ozempec or right. something like that. So. Anyway. Well, Trilicity yeah. is made by Lilly, mm-hmm. and um, they—that's exactly what happened with them. So this new drug is also made by Lilly, and it's supposed to be Im- an improved Trilicity. Okay. So basically, they they refined it, and it's supposed to be much more effective in both areas: weight loss and in uh, blood sugar control. And it's only been out like two months. So I, I think maybe this new drug is in part a response to what you just said. Yeah. Well, I hope about, it, I hope you get it and I hope it works for you. Yeah, you know? I hope too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, listen, Michael, we can sit here and, you know, there's a whole different way to have this conversation, right? You could be on a different podcast. And they might be like, you know, get out there and work out. I don't care if your back right. hurts, blah, blah, blah. And, and listen, and they might be right. I always think those people don't take into account. You, you know when you see, you know when you hear somebody say, um, "It's a, it's a, fa- a famous person will say like, just work out. It's not that hard." And I think, yeah, sure. You have one point nine million dollars in your bank account. You get up in the morning and you go, "Here's what I'm gonna do today. I'm gonna have a breakfast. I'll sit with the kids for a bit. I'll go for a walk with the dog. I'll work out. I'll go yeah. make my podcast for two hours." And then, like, yeah, if we all had lives like that. Then I can see turning to everybody and going, you're lazy, go work out. Like you've right. got all this free time. Your life and my life, to to be honest, but yours more specifically, I don't imagine you find yourself standing around a lot going, oh, I don't know what to do next. Never. <laughs> so, yeah, right. So yeah. you can tell people, and I don't think it's wrong, get exercise, move around. You have yeah. to. It's incredibly important. But I don't think that means that for the people who can't accomplish that for either reasons of you know, deteriorating health, time, money, whatever it is, that doesn't make those people a write-off. 
if, right. if injecting yeah. something in their ass once in a while is going to make them lose 50 pounds. Like, you know, like, all right, it's not the perfect way to do it. And it might not be the way that some people want, but everybody deserves to have the best, healthiest, easiest life possible. And I yes. say do what works, you know. Fortunately, that's what my endo, that's her approach. Right. You know, she's she's not lecturing me about less calorie intake, although she did want me to do bariatric surgery. That's a whole nother um, issue. Mm -hmm. She was really pushing that on me and, you know, I really looked into it. And I just decided it it wasn't going to be for me. I mean, I, I was pretty positive I couldn't even do what's required to qualify for the surgery. You know, there's a whole laundry list of things that you've got to prove to them that you can do mm -hmm. in terms of diet and exercise, right, that I thought would be unrealistic for me. Plus, I, I you know, you just hear all the horror stories. My daughter is a, has a master's degree in nutrition, and she was adamant that I not do it. So uh, other than that, and, you know, she accepted my decision. She did not press. Right. And she doesn't press on the other things either. She yeah. just helps me deal with things. I mean, after a month of listening to your podcast and reading uh, Think Like a Pancreas, I went to her and said, I want to be on uh, in CGM and insulin pump. And she did it immediately. That's great. I mean, I got on Omnipod five weeks after I started in MDI. So, you know, it takes an endocrinologist support to make that happen. Sure does. Yeah, especially right yeah. now. Um, CGM, for example, if you're type 2 and you could really benefit from a CGM, I don't think it's available to you through insurance unless you're using insulin. I think that's how it's written right now. And I got the CGM first. Did you really? Oh, that's great. Yeah, I got the CGM when I went on an MDI. Uh, when I started insulin, oh, but you were on insulin. Yes. Yeah. Oh, have, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You have I to be on insulin saying. to yeah. get a CGM right. at the way it's yes. written now. I know that. Yeah. I don't think it should be that way. I, I believe that. I think if someone would have put a CGM on you 10 years ago. Yes. It would have made you think, oh, hell, this is not going nearly as well as I thought it was. I need yep. to do something else. Without a doubt, having that information in your face on a daily or hourly basis would have changed things much earlier for me. Yeah. And if I just simply had the information that insulin works better and is not the beginning of the end, if I just known that, I think I probably, you know, could have gotten to this point five or six years earlier. Yeah. It's such a shame when you were talking about it earlier, because by thinking that, Oh, insulin, that's the last step before I die. Because that's what yes. you were thinking, right? Yes, yeah. precisely. So, you know, so you're trying to stave this off. When, yes. Meanwhile, had you started it, the last decade of your life might have been, I mean, better, I guess is the, yeah. the word, you know? Yeah. yeah, I think probably overall I would have been much healthier and much more aware. I, I just pretty much, you know, put it on the bottom shelf and didn't really think about it and, and took the pills religiously. Hmm. You know, and I did doctor, you know, I got my A1C checked every three months and it, it stayed fairly in the range until it didn't. When you have diabetes and use insulin, low blood sugar can happen when you don't expect it. Gvoke Hypopen is a ready to use glucagon option 
that can treat very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes ages 2 and above. Find out more. Go to gvoglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Gvoke shouldn't be used in patients with pheochromocytoma or insulinoma. Visit gvoglucagon.com slash risk. The Contour Next One blood glucose meter may be cheaper in cash than you're paying for your meter right now through your insurance. That goes for the test strips as well. Head to contournext.com forward slash juice box to learn more. While you're there, let your eyes fall over some of this information. For instance, the Contour Next test strips feature remarkable accuracy as part of the Contour Next blood glucose monitoring system. They are the number one branded over-the-counter test strip and they offer second chance sampling, which can help you avoid wasted strips. Did you know that up to 100 test strips every year can be wasted due to application errors? Now you know. Head over to contournext.com forward slash juice box to learn more about the Contour Next One. The Contour Next One is my favorite blood glucose meter. And I mean, in the entire time that my daughter has had diabetes, this is my favorite meter. It's easy to carry, easy to use, super accurate. The screen is easy to read. Even the light is bright. The one you use at night. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. No kidding around. It's a great meter. It's not expensive. Head to my link. You can buy it right now. Uh, there's a buy now button on the front page. I'm clicking on it now. Takes you to walmart.com, Amazon, Walgreens, CVS, Meyer, Kroger, Target, Rite Aid. You decide where to get it from. I don't really care. Just use my link. And by the way, this is the same meter you would use if you have type 1 or type 2 diabetes. If you could put yourself in front of a bunch of people who were in your situation, mm-hmm. why do you think a couple of questions? You're here doing this, so you don't have whatever issue it is that I kind of brought up at the beginning. But when you look online, there's this vibrant community around type 1 diabetes. Yes. And you would think, you would think the numbers were mixed. You would think that there were hundreds of millions of people with type 1 diabetes and a million and a half people with type 2 diabetes based on the the way their voices are amplified. But instead, it's completely flip-flop, right? There's so many people who have type 2 it's not a big community. People, I've seen companies and organizations try to start type two stuff. It, it, they never take off. Communities don't take off. I have type two people on and then get a couple of notes inevitably. Stop having type twos on. What? And, I, and oh, I'm, I'm no. like, this is a podcast for type ones. And I'm like, this is a podcast yeah. for people who have diabetes. And, yeah, it's not a contest. Yeah. And if you, you know, people are going to hear your story. And previous, I have been able to get some people with type two to come on. Mm-hmm. All of their stories, I have to be honest with you, I don't know them up front when you come on, but now you're the third person that told me I have type 2 diabetes, I found your type 1 diabetes podcast, and I'm better off now. I did not expect that, I'm happy about it, um, but now how do you, like, how do I get this information into the world so that other people in your situation listen to that and go, okay, so insulin's not death. Or I'm not failing if I do this, or if I yeah. can't lose 100 pounds magically on my own first. Do you have thoughts about how to get through to people on that? Well, first of all, I would say that uh, most of us that are on some kind of pills or even injectables 
its head in the sand. We're not dealing with it like type one people are when it's life and death. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like a second class citizen in these forums and when I listen to the podcast because type one is so much more serious. I feel so, uh, the pain I feel for these parents who are up all night and scared to death their child is going to die in the night and having to deal with that seems just so much more significant than what I've had to deal with. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of type twos, you know, they're just, it, it's, they say it's a slow death, but you know, they're, it's not in their face. So it's really easy to put it on, like I say, on the bottom shelf or put your head in the sand. And, you know, I, I wouldn't have read that book. There's no way I would not have found your podcast. I had to go after it. I finally had had enough and just decided I needed to figure this out. And I, you know, like everything else, I did some research Mm -hmm. and that that's what led me to it. But I don't think a lot of type twos, you know, who are not feeling great symptoms and there are, you know, I was that way for over 10 years. I just don't think it's on their plate or right in the front of them on a, on a regular basis. It really is. I guess it really is what I've been thinking forever, which is just that if it's not going to kill you today, then it doesn't put it at the top of your list. And then it, 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 it it eats at you so slowly. And then there's this moment where you fall off a cliff and it's too late by then. And so, so when it's, when you have time to hand, when there's, when it's the time to take care of it, you don't feel the push to take care of it. By the time you feel the push, it's probably over. I don't think it's ever too late. No, you know? tell me. Well, uh, I'm I'm a good example of that. You know, my symptoms went away just uh, you know by controlling my sugars mm-hmm. that I had totally ignored before, and I you know I think I'm gonna live a long life. Um, there's no indication otherwise. Heart is strong. So I, I don't think, I mean, sure, you can keep your head in the sand until you're on death's door. Right. Uh, but at some point, even for me, 15, 16 years after diagnosis, at some point, if you can get to the point where, hey, I, I really need to address this, I can't ignore it anymore, Right. Um, then I think you can not recover, right? You don't recover from it. Um, but... You stop can the manage it, and your and your body can recover. It just might not be back to when you were twenty five. But right. I, I appreciate you putting more context to that because that is what I meant. I didn't mean like, you know, if you wait five years, it's too late. Just jump out a window. I, I you know, I meant like <laughs> what happens when your body tips over to the point gotcha. where, where there's no return. Um, but yeah, there. It, if you're listening to this, today's the day. Yes. You know what I mean? Like you want That's your A1, the message. Yeah, your A1C needs to be lower and it needs to be stable. You need to be able to eat food without seeing large spikes that last forever. I if it's a CGM that helps you uh you know being fastidious with a meter, using insulin, you know, I don't know, some of these injectables are once weekly. I don't know how much they help people or don't. I've never talked to anybody that's, you know, I mean, do they keep your a1c at a seven but you don't check all week so you don't know if your blood sugar is 250 or 300 like i don't know how it works you know that's how it works precisely so so you so it's giving you it's giving you lower overall numbers but it's not yes it's not killing a lot of variability nope 
okay. still have the spikes. It just Big gets ones. you back. Yes. Yeah. What was it? What was it like to go from those injectables to insulin? What was your learning curve on, on figuring out how to cover your meals and and you taking basil? I imagine too. Yeah. Oh, a pump yeah. Now, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm a gadget guy, man. I I love gadgets. I love figuring out technology, and so I I went all in. Mm-hmm. You know, I I put a ton of effort into learning about how these devices work, and frankly, your podcast. Uh, defining diabetes that that series and it was eye-opening for me and it uh it just made me want to get it to work like you make gardens work Mm -hmm. right i was i was inspired to do that and so that you know i wanted the tech and i wanted it fast unfortunately uh, my endocrinologist knew how to get that out of my insurance company um you know because i didn't like mdi um, but I saw the results through MDI right. and then, you know, I'm hearing about Omnipod and I'm like, that's going to work with my lifestyle better than anything else that I've seen. And I can't wait until I can get, uh, Omnipod five. Oh, oh, that's so interesting because that yeah. stuff should work Boy, that should work so well for a type yes. two. It really yes. should. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah, a, she, that's an exciting idea. Are you she, eligible for that? No, no, it's it, it's not indicated for type two. But my endocrinologist told me yesterday. I saw her yesterday mm-hmm. that uh, she has one patient whose insurance uh, is paying for it now. So I think there's I think there's hope for that pretty soon. That you makes, know, and I'm that makes a lot of it. sense for a type yeah, two. I'm going to go after it. The, you know, and there's a lot of uh, travails with learning how to use this. You know, the, even with the podcast, which is just remarkably helpful and uh, the forums, you know, I'm in a couple of Omnipod forums. You can ask questions there and get great answers. Yeah. It still took me a long time to figure out how to make it work in my lifestyle. Okay. Uh, a lot of trial and error. What were the first stumbling blocks? Uh, controlling spikes. I still have problems pre-bolusing. I, I forget. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, you know, so commonplace now. Uh, I think for me to really control spikes better, uh, I need to pre-bolus 45 minutes and an hour in advance. And, you know, my meal is the last thing on my mind at those times. Yeah. So often I'll be cooking the meal and it's like, oh, shit, I need to pre-bolus and I hadn't done it. So then I have to stop what I'm doing and find my PDM and calculate what I'm going to eat. I don't really do that anymore. I kind of ballpark it. Right. Which is probably why my uh, A1C went up to two tenths of a point. Well, is that because um, you're using too much insulin or too little? Yeah. For, well, well, I'm just not nailing it mm-hmm. like I used to. So you're I'm, getting I'm, variability again. Yes. Yeah. And I've had some lows that were scary for me. And then you um, got to eat. Yeah. yeah. And I never had lows a day in my life. So that was a new experience for me. Uh, so, you know, it's just, it seems to be a moving target, but you know, I, I just am not giving quite as much brain space to it as I did in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not really counting carbs. I'm like you, I'm looking at a meal and saying, okay, that's 35 or that's 40 yeah. or that's 45. I hardly ever think it's 50, but, um, you know, I just, sometimes I have to 
bolus and then two hours later bolus again because I missed it. I would also wondering if you're doing a lot of, I mean, you still lower carb, right? But but you've had yeah. but you're eating carbs. Do you are you seeing protein and fat rises? Do you think? Yes, without yeah. question. Okay, you know, so earlier on, I was uh, doing extended boluses, and you know, now I don't do that as much, or if if at all, and I should. But you know, I'm staying in range. You know, my my clarity says I'm 94 percent in range. Well, the range is too wide. Mm-hmm. You know, and. I think if my range on my CGM were narrower and I don't think I've, I haven't figured out how to change it. And she said I couldn't change the range. Cause I think it's 70 to 180 in the clarity so, report. Yeah. You can change that. that. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, off the top of my head, I'm not sure where, but my, my clarity reports 70 to 140 for Arden. See that. I think that would be much better for me Yeah, because it'll spike up to, you know, 160, 170, sometimes 180, because I didn't pre-bolus. And I know that's why it's doing that. Or I didn't extend the bolus because I'm eating a lot of protein, which I usually do. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm a barbecue guy. I do a lot of cooking. I love to cook. You know, so I'm just not giving it quite as much thought. I mean, my A1C yesterday was six. It was it before that it was 5.8. Oh, good for you. That's yeah, wonderful. I went from eight. Point nine to five point eight in three months. Wow, that's excellent. So you know, I think I'm doing really well, and so I can kind of put it back aside a little bit. And I I realized yesterday that no, I can't do that. I I really need to stay more on top of it and use the tools that I have more effectively. Right, and it's not the numbers. I mean, the numbers help you; they guide you through it. But you're not just trying to not be one sixty for three hours. That's not the point. The point is it's health. It's the yeah. thing, it's the thing you can't track until, you know what I mean? Like it's, 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 yeah. you either feel okay or you don't. And the oddity of course, is that once you don't feel okay for a while, that feels okay. And that's, <laughs> that's part of the slippery slope, right? The norm. Yeah. 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 It's oh, just, it's, it's, it's a little bit of crack, Michael, just a little bit yeah. of crack, <laughs> you know, then two yeah. years later, you're laying on a sidewalk folded in half and, you know, yeah. uh, you know, and that really is the, it's what happens. It's a, it's a slow water torture. You don't notice it at first. It's drip, drip, drip. And then suddenly your A1C is seven. Then it's eight. Then you're tired. Then the muscles in your mouth don't want to work. And then, right. you know, and you just like, and you can only compare back over a week or two in your mind. That's why right. pulling up that report's helpful. And what you're saying is if the report said to me, hey, I'm not in range as much yeah. as I want to be, that would fire you to do the things you know you need to do. Yeah, I yeah. came in. After I got the pump on my next appointment, which was three months later, and you know my A1C had plummeted, and my clarity said all that time I was like 95, 96 percent range, and I was man, I was the king of the hill or yeah. mountain, I should yeah. say. You know, I felt so good about myself and how well I had done, but I think that's a little bit false. Well, nothing know? wrong with it, but then no, no, want, but, want more, right? Yeah, like I want to be yeah. more accurate, you know. And so I think if I can figure out a way to change it to 140, uh, you know, I'm going to be maybe 80% in range, mm-hmm. you know. And she she told me that, you know, my number is ridiculously high compared to her other patients. 
you know, so again, you know, that's an ego boost and you feel like you're, you're really kicking ass, but I, I think I could kick more ass if I, if it was just in front of me all the time. Oh, I'm right. high. I'm 160 and that's high. I agree with you. I, yeah. I can do that mental calculation, mm -hmm. but I don't. Right. But the screen telling me that that's high and reminding me of it would be better for my health. Well, what you're describing is no different than 16 years ago where you said, well, I took the pills, yes. so I'm good. Right? Yes, like it's, you're exactly. looking, no one wants to listen. Michael, no yeah. one wants to do this shit. You know what I mean? Like, no one. There's yeah. no one who's sitting around going, I'm super excited to take <laughs> care of my diabetes today. Right. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a situation you find yourself in. You have to, you have to re level your brain and, and, and re, I don't know, rejigger your expectations for what life is. Because if you right. keep having the expectation that I'm Superman, nothing's ever going to happen to me, and mm -hmm. then this stuff comes on your life, well, you might get to be Superman for a much shorter time than you were hoping <laughs> to be, you know? Um, right. So why not, why not, I mean, why not bet on yourself and, and, and give yourself longevity? And like, I mean, imagine that, you know, maybe one day you'll get to stop playing the trumpet for money, but still get to play it for pleasure. Y y yeah. You know, um, imagine those sorts of things being the truth for you. I just think it's impossible for us at any age to imagine the future. And you have okay. to try hard to do that. I've been talking a lot lately about watching my mother get older. And I just mm -hmm. heard myself on an episode I put up yesterday, but that I recorded six months ago. Where mm -hmm. I told the person on the episode, I'm 50, but now I'm 51. Um, and and my mom is 80. And I am now believing that I'm in the last 15 good usable years of my life. And she says at 65. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to die at 65. I don't think that I'm going to be infirmed. But I see my mom at 80. And that this is not a party. And then no. I start looking backwards at her through her 70s. That wasn't a party either. So yeah. these are my 15 years to do something amazing. And then I'm going to decline. And hopefully it's a slow decline through my 60s yeah. and my 70s. But the person I am in my head today and the things I want to do, I don't imagine a 68-year-old me is going to be able to accomplish. Right. And, and if you don't take the time to stop and think of it that way and not be burdened by it, I'm not upset by the idea. I'm actually excited by the idea. Like for the first time in my life, I can, I have enough context to realize that this time is not infinite. You know, right. you know, I was 20. I thought it was infinite. I was 30. I thought it was, infinite. I remember being in my thirties and thinking I'll raise these kids. And then that's when, yeah, but what I didn't know was then that's when COVID was going to come and my right. knee was going to need a surgery. And like, I didn't have those expectations when I was 30. So you apply this idea to diabetes I mean, live now. Yeah. You know, live as best as you can now. And that's going to give you more later. I think, yeah. I think, you know. Yeah. My, my mom died at 68 and, you know, the last 10 years of her life, she was miserable mm -hmm. and I'm just like her. I mean, I look like her. She was overweight. I'm overweight. My sister's overweight. I, I mean, it's, it's a, you know, a genes thing too. And you know, even that wasn't enough for me to change anything. You know, I was motivated by career and family and hobbies, things that I really enjoyed doing. That you could control and that you were good at controlling too. Yes. Right. Whereas right. the weight and the exercise all feels yeah. 
I know it uh, subconsciously. It feels like this is definitely going to happen to me. There's nothing I can do about it. Yes. You, did, you didn't grow exactly. up in a, in a, in a, I'm imagining you didn't grow up in a household where you had tools for that stuff. No. Nope. Right. And had somebody, you grew up in a household where people worked hard and had fun yes. and cooked food, right? Yep. Yeah. And then you precisely. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, you know, there are times when I really tried hard on the exercise and diet thing when I was in my 40s. And, you know, I had some success, but it took so much time and energy and brain space. And this isn't a cop-out, but, you know, so I would yo-yo for a while. And finally, I just said, screw it. I'm not going to do this anymore. Mm. I'm, you know, I'm going to make use of this life and this time now, you know, in career and family and other interests, because it was just dogging me constantly. And, you know, to lose the weight that I did, you know, I think the lowest I ever got as an adult was like, uh, I was 325 at this time. So I really needed to do it. And I'm glad I did. I think I got down to 260. Okay. You know, and so creeping up to 270 and staying there for years and years and years was okay. You know, uh, and the diabetes was looming, but you know, I was taking the pills and then taking the injections. So, you know, I didn't make exercise and diet at all a priority. Now that I'm on the pump and, you know, very hyper aware of this, I'm still not exercising. And I have great excuses for that, you know, yeah. I can play those. But, you know, at some point, I'm going to have to figure out how to do some of that too. Right. Well, listen, you know, I, I, I play devil's advocate a lot on the podcast and I argue yeah. both sides because, you know. I think it helps. And mm -hmm. I said earlier, I, you're not rich. You don't have infinite time in a gym in your house. But no one can tell me that they don't have a half an hour to just walk out their door, walk 15 minutes in one direction, and walk 15 minutes back in the other direction. And yeah. that would be, I think back to when I was a kid and my, my aunt and her kids one summer just decided they were going to go for a walk every night. That's all they did. And I'm telling you, this mm -hmm. is in the 70s, right? right? Nobody understood nutrition. Trulicity didn't exist. If you right. had psoriatic arthritis, you know what that meant? Your elbow hurt. Nobody, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like nobody was looking into anything. And so yeah. my point is, is that with very little fluff for the things that are available now, my aunt started going for a walk. And I'll be damned that three months later when summer ended, she looked terrific. You know what I mean? Like she mm -hmm. just was a person who worked hard. She owned her own business. She was pretty sedentary and she made an hour for herself to go for a walk. It changed her life. Yeah. It genuinely did. Well, we have a new puppy. So I have an, uh, another excuse to, you know, do a half hour walk. And I have actually started walking with the puppy for, for you. you know, like a week now to just try to, try to train him up, you know. Mm -hmm. And my wife did exactly what you said. She went on Noom and she lost. She's a small woman, but she lost a lot of weight and has maintained it. But she also retired in that time. Ah, uh, she had more time. Yeah. yeah not, when but, she started, she was still working. But, okay. I have uh, a friend. I'm going to say her name. I've never said it on here before. She's done so much for this podcast that you guys will never know about. But Natalie. And she went on Noom. And to be honest with you, when she did it, I didn't think she, like, she was not a person I looked at and thought, well, you better find a diet plan of some kind. Like, she look terrific to me but mm -hmm. my goodness is she in just yeah. i don't know what the hell it is i don't know what they do man it is she works. in terrific shape 
Yeah, it's really worked for her. Yeah, that's excellent. You know, so I, I'm looking at retirement probably in two and a half, three years, hopefully, if things work out well. Um, so, you know, maybe then. But, you know, I'm on sabbatical now, which is a kind of a mini retirement. Mm-hmm. I'm still playing the trumpet at night, you know, like always. So that's that's a factor. But I've got more time than ever, and I haven't used it to yeah. exercise. Well, I hope you do. And, and I hope you – I mean, these other things are obviously – working great for you. I just saw the other day, it was a, like more of a financial times news story, but I think Omnipod, I don't want to say this if I'm wrong, but I think I'm right. They're going to try a basal only. They're going to, I think they're going to try to introduce a basal only pump. And I assume, oh, I hmm. assume that might be for, you know, the type two emerging type two market where people are like, you know, you're you could use a little help, but you don't need injections at you know uh-huh. in a bolus at meals. Wow. I don't. I, I don't know. I just just saw it come across my newsfeed. Um, I think it's great. Like I know there are people who are going to say like, oh yeah, it's pharma and ma- device manufacturers trying to push it. Just do a sit up and go for a walk, you know. And all right, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like I've never had type two diabetes. You've just described something to me where do a sit up wasn't going to help you, right? And you don't deserve for your life to go to hell because of that you know and nobody else does either the people listening like you guys have got to just you gotta i mean i think the first thing is to get your information together before you go to a doctor because otherwise you walk in and you get the first thing that comes to their mind or the thing they do in the office or whatever you need Mm -hmm. to go in and say hey i think this is what's happening with me do you agree and if you agree i think this is what i should be doing about it can you help me that's precisely what i did right you just described it to the T. Good. And, you know, fortunately, I I found a young, knowledgeable, dynamic endocrinologist that was like, okay, I think you're right. Let's go. Yeah. And we did it fast. Good. Yeah. The, I mean, listen, metformin has a ton of great uses. It's really a, mm-hmm. like, it's a good drug. But um, you go to a 60-year-old doctor, he's going to give you metformin. Yeah. You, you start talking to him about a continuous glucose monitor and he's going to stare at you going, I don't know what the hell that is. So, you, you know, you need to, yeah. you need to go to somebody who I, I've had a friend on here who's a doctor who told me he won't go to a doctor who's over 50 and he's a doctor who's over 50. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, you know, that happened to my sister, her, her, she was being treated and still is by her GP who's older than I am. Mm-hmm. And he, she finally convinced him to give a, give her a CGM, yeah. but she's still, you know, MDI. You have to and understand many, many problems that your goal for yourself might not be the doctor's goal. The doctor might see you in a completely different way. You, like, yes. you, listen, you know, when we talk about big ideas, like, you know, you know how it, you know, when you talk about like government issues and people get upset, well, they're not thinking about me. Well, they're not. You're mm-hmm. right. You're you're yeah. a, you're a number. You're a statistic, and they are statistically trying to keep the country moving in a direction that's good for most people, and that can happen in medicine too. Like mm-hmm. you might leave there thinking, "I'm going to kick this." Michael is going to be the. I'm going to pull this together, and that guy might look at you and think, "Hey, if we can keep that guy alive five more years, that'll be great." Yes, I don't want people thinking about me that way. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's a great characterization yeah right you 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 your desire for yourself might not be their goal right and they're not going to tell you 
like you you can't look the doctor in the face and go, hey, you're just managing me into the grave, right? That's what you're doing here. They're not going to go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what we're doing. <laughs> no, they're going to say, no, this yeah. is the best idea. They might look at you as a statistic, and you shouldn't right. treat yourself that way. You know, my listen, apples and oranges, but my mom, three days ago, oh God, Michael, this is not going to make me cry, I don't think. Um, but three days ago, my mom moved into a new place. Mm-hmm. Um, a year and a half ago, my mom was preparing to move from Pennsylvania to Wisconsin to live near my middle brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were getting things in order for that, and she was staying in in Pennsylvania long enough for my younger brother to get married in October. And in the weeks leading up to my brother's wedding, my mom's health deteriorated in a way that was, it was frightening. She was mm-hmm. clearly dying to the point where we had had her in the hospital a couple of times Nobody was giving her answers. And we had to take her to my brother's wedding in a wheelchair. A a woman who did not use a wheelchair like a week before that. And the day after the wedding, my brother and I, my my middle brother and I sat down and I said, mom's dying. Like, I don't know what's happening, but she is. We're going to stop listening to whatever these doctors are saying. I'm going to take over. And I Mm -hmm. put her in a car and I took her to a cardiologist. I literally made them see her. And I said, if this is not cardio, tell me right now. She examined her. She said, it looks like heart failure, but I don't think that's what it is. Back to the hospital. It's COVID time. We're sitting in the waiting room for hours. My mom's bladder is so full. It's just spilling out of her. She can't, Mm. but she can't urinate. This has been going on for a while. Crazy. I go to the woman at the desk and I say, you have to go drain my mom's bladder. I made the woman at the desk do it. Like, and she was kind and she did it, but she she was a nurse. She went and did it. And then later when my mom got imaged, because that uh, two liters, Michael, of urine they took wow. out of her. Oh my gosh. They were able to see her cancer when they imaged her. Oh, but right. every other time she was in the hospital, they imaged her with the full bladder and couldn't see the tumor. Isn't that oh. crazy? So yeah, it is crazy. You figure out it's cancer. It's bad. It's a you know a softball size on one of her ovaries. She's got it in a couple of other places. Doctor mm-hmm. comes in, looks at her, says she's not strong enough for surgery. He sends her to a rehab center. Oh. Go to the rehab center for two weeks. Really kick ass. Get yourself in shape. A week before, Michael, my mom was fine. Like this had just deteriorated her so much. And yeah. then she does the rehab, passes everything. And we just don't hear from the doctor. He had no interest in doing the surgery on my mom. So I pin him down on the phone. I'm not going to kill your mom in surgery. And I'm like, is she going to die anyway? And he goes, yeah, in like a month or two. And I was like, well, then she wants the surgery. Give her the surgery. No, I'm not doing that. If my neighbor's son doesn't grow up to be an orthopedic who went to medical school with a girl who grew up to be a... Uh, a gyno oncologist. I don't know if my mom's alive. Right. Take her to the doctor's office. Doctor says you're going to be dead in two months. If we don't do this surgery, I'm happy to do it for you. Right. A year later and a month later, my mom moved to Wisconsin and moved into her new place. Wow. If we would have listened to the first doctor, she would have died about nine months ago. Right. It's just, you have to be the one 
to, yes. to say, yeah. I, I don't accept what you're saying. And you keep yes. saying that until either you get success or it's over, but you don't give up while you have the breath to say it. That That's you how I see it. be your own advocate. 100%. Yeah. But it's easy to say that to people. Be an advocate for yourself. Mm-hmm. But what does that mean? Like, like I, that's why I tell my mom's story, because th- yeah. a lot had to go into this mm-hmm. to make it happen. You know, uh, my mom doesn't have any money. We had to run this through Medicare. My brother had to teach himself oh, the Medicare system. Like, right. like, it was, we were going to appointments and sitting in hot. I would record this podcast, go to a hospital, sit with my mom all afternoon. Right. I'd leave. My brother would come in, sit with her all night. You know, and it, it up, it was hard, but now it's, it's fascinating. You should see her. And then, and by the way, then she had to live in a home for a year to get her cancer treatments. My mom then had to go through chemo and, uh-huh. and she, she fought through the whole thing. But while she was there, there were things about her health where we were like, Hey, you know, she seems like she's retaining water and they would make a thousand excuses. In the month that she, in the last 50 days, my mom's lived in Wisconsin. She had to stay with my brother to establish residency. Uh My brother focused on her health. The picture I saw of her yesterday, she looks incredible. They changed her medications and did things for her. The the place she was living at was supposed to do, and they weren't doing it, you know. Uh, I don't know. You just, you either want to be alive or you don't, you know. Yes. And it's not as easy as just get up in the morning and go to work. And I'm sorry no. it's not, but it isn't. So, yeah. Take care of yourself. That's all. Yeah. Wow. I'm sorry. I got Great that message. Thing there. Um, no, 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 it's important. What are we not talking about that you want to talk about? Um, I, seriously, Scott, I think we, we covered we it, it really well. I, I had a few talking points in my head as I prepared for this. And I think, I think we've hit them all. You know, the overall message that I want to send to type twos is to just do a little research. There's so many resources out there. You know, I read one book and my life was changed. I discovered one podcast and it isn't even done by a doctor, right? <laughs> I, I found one podcast was captivated by the subject matter and the way it was delivered. And Anybody can do that. Anybody, anybody can find a book or a, a, an online forum where people have been through it who know a lot, who, who know, some people know as much as your doctors do. So I, I would just encourage those of you that are in a position where, you know, you're just now starting to, you know, deal with type two, mm-hmm. um, just get your fingers going and find out that information. Uh, I, I, I delayed it way too long. I'm a smart guy. I read a lot, you know, and I, I am professional in a lot of ways. You know, I have a lot of interests and things that I can do. And if I had just made this one of them earlier on when I was first diagnosed, you know, I'd probably be in a lot better shape than I am now. Well, I'm glad, well, I'm glad you found it. and, And that's a great message. I put up a, um, you know, you've talked about the Facebook group. So for people who are listening and don't know, I have a private Facebook group that has 30,000 plus members in it. Um, yes, it and they're, does. All, they're all talking about, you know, day-to-day stuff, management ideas. They help yes. each other with problems. You know, it's, I find it to be the kindest place on Facebook I've ever seen. 
And it's awesome. I worked hard to get it that way. So I'm proud that it yes. moved that way. But I put up a post the other day. I put up a post the other day because, you know, a couple of times a year, I, I, my frustration gets to be too much, right? So my frustration, right? It, I, my background frustration is constantly that I know what this podcast does, right? I've heard mm -hmm. your story and almost a thousand others like it. And it's still hard to get the word out. Like it's hard to get people mm -hmm. to start to listen. And so my biggest hurdle is to get, just try it. Cause I think if you try it, you're going to be okay. You know? So I put up this long post and I just said to people like, you know, I wish you would listen to the podcast and share it with people. Um, you know, it'll help the podcast grow when it grows, it gets bigger. When it gets bigger, someone else is diagnosed, then they find it. And then it, the post sort of started hard, turning into like, well, here's what the podcast has done for me. They're trying to keep the post alive so other people see it, which is lovely. And one of the people said, I was an adult type one. And I found this thing because so many people told me. And then I get there and the host doesn't have diabetes, isn't a doctor. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and, yeah. and she said she was like, what, what am I doing here? You know? And then she said it was just kept happening. Just people kept saying you should do this, watch this, listen to this. And she finally did. And then she describes her success and it's wonderful. I, I don't know why. I don't know why I'm good at talking about this, Michael. Like I really don't like, I, you know, I, I mean, I'm, we can all guess about it to help my daughter and everything, but it all just comes together for whatever. When you and I got on before we started recording, you said, Oh, you have a great voice for radio. Even that mm -hmm. is dumb luck. And maybe yes. part of why the podcast <laughs> works. You know what I mean? So that's um, part of it. Definitely. Yeah. You know, so anyway, I know I don't have diabetes and I don't have type two diabetes. I don't have type one diabetes. I've never been to medical school. I barely graduated from high school, Michael, for all being really <laughs> honest with each other, but I'm good at this. So yes. let it go and okay. go find the defining diabetes episodes, the pro tip yes. series. What else helped you? Uh, well, I read think like pancreas. Yeah. Gary's book. And that was before I, before I started on the podcast and mm -hmm. he mentions the podcast in there and uh, a bunch of people online had mentioned it. So, you know, it was multiple mentions like you, you said a minute ago, it pulls you along that got, that got yeah. me listening to it. And I listened to it in the car when I was commuting. Right. It's perfect timing. And Jenny, who by the way, works for the guy who wrote the book that, that Michael brought that, up. Oh, that's right. I yeah. forgot about that. She's on the show once a week where we talk about yes. management stuff. So yeah, I love um, her. Yeah. It's terrific. All right. Well, I can't thank you enough for spending the time talking about this with me. Um, I hope more people with type two. Um, I, I hope they, they find ways to help themselves really is what I'm, I guess I'm, I'm hopeful for. And I am going to go quickly pack a bag and drive down the Eastern seaboard to pick my daughter up from college. That's the rest of my day. So great. Yeah. Great for you, but I'm going to be in the car for 12 hours. So. I know, but you get to see her. It's exciting. Yeah, um, yeah. We're all really excited to get her home. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N.com forward slash juice box. And I'd like to thank the Contour Next One blood glucose meter and remind you to go to contournext.com forward slash juice box. Get an incredibly affordable and accurate meter. You deserve it.
If you're interested in being on the podcast and you have type 2 diabetes, please find me and reach out through my website, juiceboxpodcast.com. If you're looking for support, check out that Facebook page, Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes. It's a private group. You'll answer just a couple of questions to be admitted, and then you'll be in there with 31,000 plus members, all who have diabetes, use insulin, understand what it's like to have to watch what you eat, count carbs, the whole thing. Go find them. It's a great resource. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juice Box Podcast. Don't forget, when you support the sponsors with my links, you're supporting the production of the Juice Box Podcast and keeping it free.